Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Got a great episode for you today with one of my favorite authors, philosophers, thinkers, Daniel Pinchbeck. You might know him from his best-selling book, Breaking Open the Head, 2012, The Return of Quetzalcoatl, and How Soon Is Now in 2017. That came out, and Daniel and I discussed that on the podcast the first time that we met and spoke. And uh, that episode is episode 34, I believe. You can go back and listen to that. It's a great episode, uh, breaking down his book, How Soon Is Now, From Personal Initiation to Global Transformation. And if you're in Denver, I'm going to be at the Psychedelic Club on Monday, uh, the 19th at 7.30 p.m., talking about How Soon Is Now, giving a book presentation about that book and Daniel's ideas. I think it's a great blueprint uh, for what's going on in our in our world, addressing the problems and then offering some solutions, some possible, you know, just some thought provoking ideas about what's happening, what we can do and how we can kind of wake up and, and make some changes before we all just blow ourselves up or just, you know, ru- ruin the planet and, and you know, create, keep going this path of this, uh, you know, technological material shithole that uh, doesn't really account for the spiritual, the transcendental, the mystical, uh, the connection to the earth, uh, living in balance, harmony, restorative, regenerative uh, solutions. And so I think it's great. And, you know, this is something that I've been uh, always thinking about. I'm, I've, you know, I, this show has been like a learning out loud experiment for me and a lot of the solo casts and a lot of the ideas I've expressed, but I, I am evolving in, in the th- sort of areas in which I'm getting into. And as I had Chris Ryan on the last show and uh, Daniel now on this show, and I'm going to be talking with people like Charles Eisenstein and other kind of future thinkers, Jamie Wheel, and uh, really talking about like where we are as a civilization, how we, uh, our individual healing and awakening, and then what we can do to then take that to the larger societal and cultural civilizational elements to transform the world that we're living in into a better uh, into a better place. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of where my thinking is like moving into a little bit more. Uh, maybe I'll do a solo cast about that as well. But anyway, uh, this uh, this episode with Daniel, we're going to be talking about his uh, most recent essay or short book uh, entitled The Occult Control System, UFOs, Aliens, Other Dimensions, and Future Timelines. Man, this is the stuff that I love to think about. And, you know, talking with Andrew Gallimore recently about alien information theory and DMT, psychedelic drug technologies, other worlds, other dimensions, other realities, how the brain constructs these things. You know, what is going on? What is happening? And the reason why Daniel wrote this book, he explains in in the show. But if you've been paying attention, there's been, you know, this sort of disclosure happening and major mainstream media organs, uh, the organ of the media system, as Daniel calls it, these, these places like New York Times, Washington Post, etc., have been talking about these bizarre sightings and military pilots, high-ranking generals, officials, you know, declassified documents have been coming out talking about this. And so what is it? And Daniel, the thing I love about Daniel is that he explores all of the areas. He explores what are people saying from this perspective, this perspective, this perspective, what are the multidimensional approaches that we can take to understand maybe what this phenomenon is and what is happening in our world. And he draws upon his experience in, you know, esoteric 
esoteric wisdom, occult knowledge, shamanic practices, uh, practices of, of indigenous tribes and cultures and uh, their cosmology and things like that. Anyway, we're, we're going to get into all this stuff in the conversation. It's super fascinating. I love uh, digging into this kind of stuff. And, uh, and I hope you, you will uh, enjoy it too. And if you do, you can uh, leave me a five-star rating and review. Just uh, click the five stars in Apple Podcasts when you search for Mike Adelic. Be sure to subscribe to the show. You know, uh, you don't need me to tell you what to do. If you like it, you'll tell people about it. Please message me. I love hearing your feedback, comments, criticisms, suggestions, opinions, whatever it is. I like to chat with you guys. So you can reach me on mikebrank.com. That's B-R-A-N-C. Go to the contact page there. Send me an email. Hit me up on Instagram, mikeadelic underscore podcast. DM me. Uh, let me know your thoughts, your opinions, feelings, whatever's coming up for you. I like to hear from you guys. I always respond. I like chatting with you. I like this show to be a collaborative effort. If you want to go a step further, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank, B-R-A-N-C. Donate as little as a dollar a month, $2 a month, $3 a month, whatever you want. And uh, you get access to the special, super special, uh, Mikeadelic inner sanctum WhatsApp chat group. And that's people from all around the world talking about the things that we talk about in this show and expanding on it and connecting with each other. It's a great community of people. I highly encourage you to do that. It's it's a super fun way to support the show. And then you get cool things like stickers and T-shirts and bonus episodes. And uh, I'll be doing more like ranting stuff on on there. And uh, there's uh, also just, you know, extra content and so it's a good way to, to support the show, get rewards, and then also connect with other people and have a uh, private encrypted chat group where you can talk about anything you want with uh, with people from all around the world who listen to the show. What else? Well, uh, yeah, a couple sponsors, Hemp Bombs, Get CBD products sent to you, uh, enter the code Mike15, get 15% off all your CBD stuff. Uh, go to Synchro for plant-based nutrition products and put in Mikeadelic to get 20% off all that stuff. Check out Navigating Psychedelics uh, by Psychedelics Today. Joe and Kyle put together this awesome course uh, for the more educational front of learning about what psychedelics are and stuff. You know, we don't totally go into that all the time on this show. There's a lot of ranting and raving and exploring weird and crazy topics. And, uh, you know, these guys put together a cool educational course. So check that out. All that stuff's in the show notes. Also, check out, I've been on some podcasts recently. Uh, one of them was uh, with Anya Cates. I, I love Anya. She's great. She's a really unique, uh, fresh voice in the podcasting scene. And um, we we did an episode of her show called A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. Uh, go check that out. It's uh, episode 31, Waking Up to Ourselves and the World uh, with me. So I enjoyed speaking with her. I'm also going to have her on the podcast, and that episode will be out soon. So stay tuned for that. Oh, and also Daniel brings up in the podcast another book that he's got coming out in September with Sophia Rocklin, uh, and it's called When Plants Dream. Uh, sounds fascinating, right? When Plants Dream, Ayahuasca, Amazonian Shamanism, and the Global Psychedelic Renaissance. I'm going to be speaking with Sophia. She'll be on the show to talk about this book. And, you know, it's about the, the spread of ayahuasca and how it impacts the economic, social, political, cultural uh, environment that, that ayahuasca is reaching out into the world and spreading. And uh, they look at um, the therapeutic qualities and uh, biomedical research, psychedelic science, 
science, uh, psychopharmacology, and all the really good, interesting stuff that we like to talk about on this show. So super excited to talk to Sophia about When Plants Dream. That episode will be out sometime in the future, and we'll look at the the science and the expanding culture of ayahuasca from its historical roots and uh, how it's being used by us Westerners and the impact that it's having uh, on on cultures that are going beyond the jungle, beyond the Amazon. You know, it's spreading out. It's it's reaching us. And why is this happening now? What does it mean? And so uh, really, really excited about When Plants Dream and to have Sophia come and speak about that book. And so uh, all these links will be in the show notes. You can pre-order copies of this stuff. Go check that out. That's about it. Without further ado, let's talk about the occult control system, UFOs, extra dimensional beings, other dimensions, other realities, aliens, future timelines. Let's get into it all with Daniel Pinchbeck. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Yeah, we. I, I guess we, we haven't really. I mean, maybe we've we've kind of interacted over the internet, but the last time we spoke was on my was on my podcast back in I think 2017 when we were talking about how soon is now, and um, <clears throat> I'm part of this uh, club, the Denver Psychedelic Club here in, in Denver. I since moved to Denver, and um, they were asking me to present a book at the book club because they do a book club every month, and I was like, well. I haven't written a book, but I guess if I was to write one, it would probably be something like How Soon Is Now? So that's what I'm going to talk about in a couple of weeks. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But then all of a sudden, uh, you're, you're publishing uh, two books uh, and one, you know, one book, a uh, short essay, and, uh, and then another one coming out soon, too. So, uh, yeah, I guess um, maybe we should start there. Like, uh, what, uh, what, what led you to, uh, to write the, the, uh, the occult control system? Uh, well, what led me to write the, that this new little book was the uh, spate of articles that are now, you know, so kind of amazing uh, in terms of the history of how the media has covered uh, the subject of UFOs and aliens and so on that have been appearing, you know, in places like New York Times, Washington Post and CNN uh, that are basically, you know, straight out saying, you know, that military pilots around the world are having these encounters with incredibly strange objects that, that we have no reference point uh, as being human-made. And um, this is something that I'd actually written about uh, years ago. I'd written about UFOs and aliens and abductions and so on in my book 2012, which came out in 2006. And um, that book also wrote, I wrote a lot about the crop circles that appear in, in fields in uh, England and around the world. And it was kind of amazing to me at that time 
that it was a subject that was so fascinating, but you know, people just didn't really have a way of even talking about it uh, for the most part. That was very useful. Right. So, so you know, when the, the, this new interest came came along, uh, I thought it was time to extend the ideas from that book and uh, kind of probe into uh, these sort of esoteric phenomena. Yeah, definitely. And I think you were mentioning how uh, in the begin, you know, when you started talking about psychedelics, um, you know, around like the late '90s, early 2000s, with breaking open the head, it was uh, this thing that was like, oh, no respectable person would be talking about these things. And then same thing, right, with uh, 2012. But I think maybe now we find ourselves in this kind of weirder place where people are maybe more ready to accept these ideas. I hope so, uh, because this is a very real thing that's happening. And I think what you do so well first of all daniel like i think last time we met up i had a house and is now in my hands and i had like 7500 index cards and highlights and everything through the book same thing with uh with the cold control system you uh your way of writing is just so compelling and um i'm just finding myself highlighting everything and you know underlining stuff and and looking into it more and so it's just uh, really a phenomenal little little book here and uh yeah i i am super interested in this because you're in my opinion someone who's like a dot connector you know you're 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 looking at this thing as you said from uh um, you know multiple ways I, I forget what you you uh, said in the book, actually, you said looking at it, um, you know, not in this materialistic, uh, dualistic way, but in um, Aiden's, uh, Aiden's oh, yeah, thread. Oh, yeah, Ariadne's thread. Yeah, which multidimensional means, approach, yeah. Yeah, trying to, trying to bring every every kind of different approach to bear on something, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what really, that's what grabs me about your work, is that you bring that approach to it. And, um yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about some of this stuff. So, w- I guess what I what I gathered uh, from the book is that really, yeah, we need to be taking this multidimensional approach, and that we need to be looking at things not in terms of exactly what we see in front of us in this material sense, but also as a psychic and symbolic way as well. And I was wondering if you could kind of talk a little bit about the the psychic and symbolic effect of what's going on. Yeah, well, I mean, in, in that essay, I talked about the work, I think it was Patrick Harper, who, you know, looked at, he, he's done amazing work. He's a quite, quite not very well known, but super brilliant uh, author. And he kind of looks at, you know, the Western literal worldview from the, you know, worldview of like, uh, indigenous, uh, you know, shamans and alchemists and so on, uh, and older traditions which see, you know, even things that we consider like totally physical as, um, you know, still, still having the psychic and, sim- and symbolic dimension um, inherent in them. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, yeah. So, so, so that, that's something that, you know, I've found in my own life and, 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 and so on. And so um, that, that for me is, 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 is the more legitimate way to kind of look at, you know, the sort of phenomenal nature of reality as it unfolds. Yeah, yeah, because reality is stranger than what we see, certainly stranger than what we see in the mainstream uh, news. And as you, you know, correctly uh, put it, Fox News as being this mind control uh, program. And, you know, one of the things that I find so fascinating is that we have these unclassified documents and these reports and all these things coming out, yet there's still this sort of resistance to really buy in fully to some of the things you're talking about. And, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll 
I'm wondering if maybe that is because of what you talked about in How Soon Is Now, how we're kind of, you know, unwillingly or we're, we're, we're going through this kind of collective shift. And, you know, during this shifting time, it can be kind of difficult. You know, there's this sort of one version of reality that we've been sold, but now in this kind of post-Trump, you know, fake news, deep fake era, there's this fractalization of all kinds of different uh, sub-genres of, of reality. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I wonder what your take is on like public perception of this kind of uh, presenting the information in this kind of way. You know, and, and, and in my review, I actually reviewed the book, I said, you know, I, you're, I think your work, a lot of it is maybe ahead of its time, which is unfortunate because maybe a lot of the things you're talking about is like, we're going to look back and say, well, this was, this was the case that back then, but people weren't necessarily ready. At least the mainstream of our civilization isn't ready for it. Um, yeah, no, I, mean, I think what you just said is correct. I mean, you know, there's many reasons why people cling to, you know, a set of uh, beliefs and a, and a worldview that kind of holds their lives in some state of coherence, you know, and so for most people, you know, they're educated in a certain way, you know, through, you know, the idea of, a, you know, material science paradigm, you know, there are certain authorities, those authorities are gatekeepers, they're experts who have uh, the knowledge and so on. And, you know, they're basically not really encouraged to question. You know, or if you're coming from a Christian, you know, from a religious context, then, you know, then, then, then you're told that, you know, really you have to believe in certain doctrines and so on. So, um, you know, it's, it's uh, a smaller number of people who, you know, for whatever reason, go through a deconditioning or deprogramming process, and then, you know, are able to, you know, look at things in uh, new and different ways, and recognize that the kind of official story is, is only fragment of something that uh, we don't even yet totally understand. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you, the book is, is titled, um, you know, the, the occult, uh, control system. Um, and, you know, you, you talk about it in your book in relation to the, uh, the psychic and, you know, also the, the quasi spiritual quasi material, you know, the things that are maybe happening in this, hypnagogic state. Um, and it's so fascinating. And it's also at the same time, so hard to hold, I think, it, you know, a lot of these uh, differing perspectives and, and, and meshing together these, uh, these ideas. What it, in what is the, you know, because you mentioned that maybe it's not like an alien invasion where there's these nuts and bolts saucers and stuff, but rather in a occult control system. So I was wondering maybe if you could, and I know, look, I want people to go get this book and read it for themselves. So if you could kind of give a brief little synopsis of what that, that is the occult control system. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's uh, just a hypothesis, I guess that, um, there, you know, we, we, you know, one, one, you know, hypothesis from physics now is that there are, you know, different, you know, many dimensions of space time, and, you know, from where we are, we see, we see things from a linear, you know, we're sort of, we're all, you know, individual tunnel of like a, of a progressive linear time, but that doesn't mean that that's the only way time can be experienced. So there might be, you know, some forms of consciousness or, or entities that actually exist in, in, a, in a different hyperdimensional way. And um, they may be, you know, 
constructing our, our reality, uh, you know, that, 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 that we experience subjectively uh, in, in ways that, that, you know, are hard for us to see in the same way, you know, they, they use, use the example of like the flatlander, right? If somebody was living on a two dimensional surface, um, you know, let's say like, um, you know, an object passed through that surface, like, like, a, like a sphere, you know, they would only be able to see like first the point, then, then, then like the, the, you know, the curve of the circle, uh, right. you know, and so on. So I guess that's the, from, from, you know, so, so, so yeah, so we're only able to maybe see very limited aspects of, of what's could be a larger hyperdimensional reality. And, um, you know, it, it, it may be that, um, uh, you know, the, the world that we experience is under the influence of, of other forces that, um, you know, have their own reasons for being connected to, to, to our world and, and for finding something uh, meaningful or, or useful or even uh, something they, they need, like an energy that they require uh, that that's that's uh, you know grounded in in uh, human consciousness and, and human beingness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned actually, I had no idea that uh, Carl Jung wrote uh, about this, and uh, you know, because I, I I read some of his stuff, but I did not know that that was his last book that he wrote about the UFO phenomena. And um, yeah, I'm wondering, like you know, and you were talking also in the book about the uh, fairies and encountering you know. Uh, gnomes or other kinds of uh, entities in, in that way. And I'm wondering if, uh, if that's something that is sort of coming out of the creation of the container and the limits of our linguistic and symbolic structures of the time. So maybe what's going on right now is something that is informed by by that, you know, the, this sort of, uh, our, you know, symbolic and linguistic understanding of reality is it, would that be accurate to say? Well, that's, that was kind of the theory that this guy, Jack Vallée kind of developed because he was, um, <coughs> studying the flying saucer experiences and the abductions. And, uh, he began to find a lot of uh, similarities, <coughs> excuse me, between, uh, abdu- you know, kind of these abduction experiences that people had in the middle ages and, and so on that they described as, you know, these fairy beings who would take them to these other worlds and you couldn't like eat the food of, of the fairy kingdom or you'd be trapped there forever. Um, so it was almost like the way that these, you know, particularly what they're called the gray aliens, mm-hmm. the most common, um, seem to, you know, interact with us, you know, ha- has kind of elements of, of those older uh, archetypal uh, experiences, uh, but now they have a more technological kind of uh, cast to them. Right. Yeah. And, and what is your take on, on sort of like a, you know, the disinformation campaigns that, uh, you know, in the book you, you mentioned, you talk a little bit about that. Um, and you know, a lot of this stuff did start taking off, I guess, uh, after world war two, you know, the Roswell incident, the forties and fifties, you know, flying saucers, little green men, men from space. Um, maybe, you know, I'm wondering if that, do you think there was any kind of disinformation going on then, or was this real actual phenomena that was occurring and, you know, obviously that we couldn't make sense of at the time or what was going on then? Maybe, you know, maybe not either or maybe both. And Uh yes, yes. It's more, maybe it's more paradoxical, but I mean, um, you know, Richard Dolan, uh, is the historian who studied this the most, I guess. And he basically argues that, um, 
you know, there were alien contacts and this led to the development of a sort of, uh, you know, kind of secret aspect of the government and um, created these kind of veils of protective secrecy and so on. And um, he believes it's actually a, a big secret that's kind of at the heart of, uh, of everything that's going on. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I love his work actually, and um, you know he gave this amazing presentation about uh, I think it was called UFOs from Money to Mind Control, uh, the Secret Space Program, and Breakaway Civilizations. And you know I thought it was fascinating because even if you're not into this and you're not buying in for whatever reason, the the money is going somewhere. There's black budgets. There's a whole host of uh, secrecy and, and programs that are dedicated. And clearly the, the government has an interest in this. I mean, there's programs, there's documents, there's high level people uh, talking about these kinds of things. However, you know, in, in the book, you mentioned that you think that that's a, too much of a literal or dualistic uh, take. Um, I was wondering if you could kind of maybe elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, it's hard to elaborate a bit on that because um, because you know, that's that, the that, book. <laughs> well, yeah, but but it's also it's like um, um, it, it's hard for us because we our language in itself is so literalizing. Um, you know, we, we we you know it's like um, you know we we define reality in a very particular way, and our language shapes our conception. And um, it's it's very limiting for us, you know. Like um, you know, a lot of Native American cultures, for instance, are much more phenomenologically precise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I was thinking, I was reading about like the Hopi language, where you know they wouldn't just say like this is a cup. It's more like you know, from you know my best understanding and and where I'm at at this moment, this is something that can be used in this way or something. You know, so so. You know, we're 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 trapped in um, you know a, a literal and dualistic uh, conception of reality. Yeah. Uh, you know, until we figure out, uh, you know, maybe other ways to to communicate about this stuff. Yeah. yeah, and you know, the book doesn't dive too much into psychedelics, but you do mention it. It does come up, and I'm wondering if you think that. Uh, using psychedelics as tools to expand our consciousness or expand our field of awareness or knowledge about ourselves could play a part in helping us kind of um, progress to another level of, of understanding. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously been like a major thrust of my work from the beginning. And my first yeah. book was breaking up head that was on psychedelic shamanism and, you know, m- many, many people, you know, have, you know, non-ordinary, you know, experiences through psychedelics or synchronicities or, you know, uh, you know, encounters with other, what they, what they uh, experience as other forms of intelligence and so on. Um, so, yeah, but I think um, psychedelics are really crucial tools for us to decondition our uh, minds and, um, you know, be able to, to look at the world and understand the world in, in new and different ways. Yeah, definitely. I I agree. Um, yeah, and this uh, I'm wondering also like with within the psychedelic space. Like recently, I had a, a, a Dr. Andrew Gallimore on my show who wrote a book called DMT: Alien Information Theory. You know, we're talking. Oh, I, heard that, wait, I haven't read that yet, but I've heard it's amazing. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, he's talking about you know the these 
other worlds, you know, and, and knowing what's in there. Actually, he said something pretty funny. He's like, you know, when you're, when you're ingesting DMT, you know, you're, you're just essentially popping into someone's world and it's quite rude, you know, to just kind of pop in there. So he's working on extended state DMT research and with Rick Strassman and, um, you know, talking about how the brain, uh, constructs worlds and builds worlds. And, you know, there's, other entities in these worlds and people come in contact with them. Is there a connection between what's going on that we see, you know, what the news is reporting and what people are talking about and what Richard Dolan is talking about and, uh, and these other, uh, strange worlds with strange beings or, or entities? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think there, there definitely is a connection. Um, you know, I mean, um, you know, in a way like there might be a whole ecology of different types of, you know, super sensible realities and entities. And, um, you know, maybe that's really part of, you know, although, although you know, in, in some ways the, the, you know, long-term future of humanity looks threatened right now because of what's happening environmentally. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, assuming we manage to survive this, this uh, catastrophic uh, cul-de-sac that we've created, you know, I think that that'll that that'll that'll become part of the cutting edge of future exploration uh, and development for us as a species. Like, um, you know, learning how to explore these uh, you know inner planes and, and other realities. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because you know we are definitely in in a you know crisis, and and you're saying you know also that maybe it's not just purely the bri- the byproduct of industrialization that maybe these other kind this occult control system is a contributing factor to the crisis in which we find ourselves in. Is that correct? Yeah, that that's one option, and, and then another th- thing that some people believe is that. Um, you know, maybe some of our rapid evolution in technologies over the last decades, you know, has to do with, um, you know, these interventions, you know, if, if, they've, if they've actually been able to study or reverse engineer craft that were left by aliens, maybe that research was taken into corporations, maybe it led to microprocessors, you know, we, we really don't know the whole story. And, you know, and, and also, you know, once again, since I don't, I'm not saying that this is definitively the case. Mm-hmm. It's just um, you know it's something that's worth worth deeply uh, looking into and considering. Yeah, what do you think about Bob Lazar? Do you have you paid any attention to him or, or looked at what he, he's been saying? Um, it's so it's so yeah. I mean, I have a little bit. I mean, he's, but you know, the, I mean, then you know, I, I also looked up you know the kind of rational skeptic view on him, and you know, there's very little evidence backing up that he worked at Area 51 and so on. Um, but once again, I mean, it's a you know, it's, it's, it's all kind of like a liminal phenomena. It's, it's like all this trickster realm. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's also what I discovered when I was exploring the crop circles. Um, it's, it's almost like this phenomena, you know, stubbornly, you know, seeks to maintain itself at this kind of like uh, dissipative edge of what we can possibly, uh, you know, kind of understand uh, cognitively. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's definitely, man, I, uh, you know, I just think that for me, I, I'm looking at like, you know, this, a uh, cold control system and I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, there's so many 
plans that are devised. I mean, people don't have the time necessarily to to dive into all this stuff. So thank you for synthesizing it all and, and, and holding it in your mind. You know, it could, it could be kind of heavy to do too with all these ideas rattling around. And and uh, that's really the, the world that we see ourselves in. It's like this kind of treadmill of just go, go, go. And people don't have the time necessary to fully understand what's going on, uh, which may be uh, part of this control system uh, operation as well. Um, but yeah, you, you said something really great in the book about when you were writing 2012 and having this kind of epiphany of like, oh my God, this this might be like understanding a, a, a Zen koan. Um, and yeah, that, that, that I found to be extremely fascinating because uh, I, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I'm wondering maybe if you can, and you know, it's always tricky doing these interviews because the, like, I, I want to talk about all the stuff in the book, but I don't want to, you know, kind of give everything away because it's a tremendous, <laughs> tremendous read. I mean, get this book, read it. It is just really a, just a, a, an unbelievable piece of work for, for such a short book. It's every sentence is so impactful. Uh, maybe you can unpack a little bit about your epiphany with the, with the Zen koan. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, my perspective is that, you know, if some of your audience sincerely wants to understand, uh, or at least, you know, have new ways of thinking about a lot of this stuff, you know, it, it's not an easy task and it, and it helps to hear it in podcasts, but it also helps, you know, to, to read about it and, you know, synthesized forms like, like the book that I wrote. So I don't necessarily think it's an, an either or uh, circumstance. Sure. Um, but yeah, so the idea of, of the koan from the Zen traditions, it's like a paradoxical statement that, you know, a monk or, or, or somebody would, would meditate on for a very long time. And, um, you know, ultimately, you know, because it has like a logical disjunction in it, um, you know, the, the, it forces your mind to finally like break its, its, its attachment to, you know, a certain type of limited logic and to recognize that the nature of reality is not this nor that nor nor anything that can be defined that it's inherently paradoxical and and that opens up into kind of a, a greater spaciousness yeah and um, yeah that 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 for me was part of you know my discovery when i when i studied the crop circle phenomenon in england which so many people dismiss as a hoax but you know when you get into it it's clearly something uh numinous and extraordinary and inexplicable and yet, whenever you try to zero down and be like, okay, well, this one is definitely for real, you know, then somehow, you know, somebody claims they were able to make it and you find like, you know, reports of how they laid out the groundwork, but then you find that those were maybe counterfeit or something. So it's, it's just like an endless, like uh, uh, vortex, you know, like, <laughs> right, uh, <yeah. laughs> and it, and it, it feels kind of almost like an intentionally uh, constructed labyrinth so that your mind ultimately kind of collapses and lets go of its grip on, uh, you know, thinking that there's a simple cause and effect. Uh, like I had that quote from Nietzsche in, in the book about how, um, you know, you know, we believe in cause and effect, but we forget that, you know, this type of cause and effect we believe in is actually just something that, you know, we've created with, with our minds. It doesn't necessarily exist in reality. Mm, yeah, totally. And yeah, it's like you can go down so many rabbit holes and you can go down so many uh, areas and avenues. And, and then there's also the, the phenomena of, uh, of people uh, perceiving things differently. And one of the, the, the things that 
comes to my mind is, um, or these ideas that, uh, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago on social media, it was going around with, uh, you know, some people were seeing a blue dress and some people were seeing a gold dress. And then there was the, the audio one where some people heard, uh, the, the, words yanny and some people heard laurel and then you have all kinds of stuff you know the mandela effect and the you know that kind of stuff so uh does that does that kind of you know does that kind of like move more towards in the direction of of what you're talking about like how we sort of perceive and construct reality and how we actually interpret uh the things that we're being shown seeing and hearing yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, the Mandela effect I find very fascinating. Um, you know, I got interested in the work of this neuroscientist, Anil Seth, who, who talks about how, um, you know, we don't see or, or feel or perceive reality. Um, you know, what's happening is our, our brain is, is taking in these electrical impulses and then constructing the best model that it can. Um, and, um, you know, and, and, and then, yeah, what are, what are, you know, language or, or, uh, you know, kind of model of the world is gets reinforced, but then that can, you know, get so reinforced that it closes out, you know, other, other information. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's part of what, you know, psychedelics do is that suddenly you're open to these other patterns of, uh, information that, um, um, you know, our, our, our regular, um, you know, waking mind just learns to close out because it's too contradictory and confusing and causes, you know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, aid in our immediate like survival uh, needs mm, ah it doesn't aid in our immediate survival so we can't we can't think about it we can't process it it's all part of the plan um <laughs> what uh so yeah i love this 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 may uh might relate to this part of the book that i thought was really interesting where you talk about uh future events um and how the formality of them actually occurring uh may depend on the choice that we make uh, our consciousness as human beings that we uh, all of us have like, you know, our own way of thinking and perceiving the world, everything kind of filters through our sensory input areas and our meat computers in our head and, you know, comes out of our eyes and our mouth, but we also collectively have this. And of course the individual perception and our individual consciousness is contributing to the collective one as well. Uh, So uh, we have sort of this, I guess we're kind of entering this realm where now maybe we're going to be presented with like a, a choice as to what we bring into manifestation, like what we, um, what kind of like timelines we choose to go down or something like that is 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 that right? Uh, yeah, I mean, anyway, I mean, um, you know, another way of looking at the same ideas through. I, I was really uh, privileged to help organize like two retreats with the Kogi and the Arawak people in Colombia, who's like pre-Columbian uh, indigenous civilization who call themselves the Elder Brother, and they basically say that we're like the younger brother. And, um, you know, that we've lost our way and, um, you know, and, and out of our ignorance, we're bringing about, you know, destruction on a large scale. And, you know, when I really tried to distill like the core message that they walked like 25 hours down to the mountain to talk to us for, for a week, uh, the core message was really what we don't understand is that our level of spirituality or consciousness development is uh, directly you know, reflected in what we experience as, as, as the world, as the material, physical and natural world, you know, so if we actually individually upgrade, uh, then everything begins to, you know, bend and, and change and, and around us. 
And you know, I think a lot of people who you could call them kind of like initiates or whatever. I mean, they, they discover that you know um, in their own lives. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, I think that a lot of the times with you know, because I. I'm interested in all this stuff. And sometimes I'll present it to people like, Oh, that's just, you know, conspiracy theory. There's no like one, you know, ruling group or whatever. And I'm always like, well, if, if there is or isn't, doesn't really matter. The sort of way that things are playing out are happening in the same way as if it is true. So if it's not true, it's still playing out in this terrible way. So what's going on, you know? And well, that's, where, that's where I say in the book, I think the mistake that people are making is to think there's like a human cabal, which of course there are human cabals, right. but I mean, the orchestration seems so, um, you know, in a way artful, in, in a way like amazing that um, it suggests that maybe it's actually orchestrated by uh, these other levels of reality or entities who are on these other levels of reality, which is kind of even what, you know, St. Paul talked about in the Bible, or talked about uh, principalities and powers, you know, that you know, are the ones that we we have to fight against, not not uh, flesh and blood. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Principalities and powers. Um, yeah. And and I mean, and then then obviously we can see. I mean, I just wrote a post for Facebook that I saw a few people almost on the same day. <coughs> had, excuse me. Had written similarly about um, you know these shootings that are happening uh, with these you know young you know white men who you know, just, just go off and how, you know, we have to see that, you know, it's it, part of it. Of course, it's, you know, incredibly horrible and tragic that they're just laying waste to so many people. But, you know, how do you get to be a 21 year old white man, you know, who could be, you know, writing a poem to the moon or learning how to play the guitar or like, you know, uh, you know, dancing all night at a rave or something. But instead, you're like so full of hate that you decide that you're going to kill a bunch of strangers, you know, with, with, with a stupid gun. Uh, that's also going to destroy your own life, usually usually ending it or putting you in prison forever. Uh, and, the, and, the, and, and so the amount of hypnosis and mind control uh, indoctrination that has been exerted, you know, since birth on, on these kids so that they're, 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 they're you know, contorted uh, in this way, you know, is, is really uh, an extraordinary uh, phenomenon. And I really think at this point we have to recognize that the U.S., you know, whether it's Fox News or Alex Jones or 4chan or, you know, all this shit, uh, you know, the, is, is like a giant uh, mind control experiment that's been very, very successful. Oh, man. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just I did a like a video. I remember after the Las Vegas shooting that happened because it just was so weird when you look into it it's like this is really really weird like this is this is not just oh well there's too many guns and that's what it is or oh you know it's a medication or mental health issue it's we want that we want it to be a singular you know, dualistic perspective and just say, oh, well, uh, clearly it's this thing, but uh, it's far stranger than that. You, you can't, if you really look into this stuff, you can't say that it's, it's not as, you know, super strange. And so this, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. some people would say that it's a symptom of us, um, you know, on our way towards extinction as a species that somehow um, this really is an evolutionary termination point, you know, where, um, you know, we've, um, you know, constructed these, uh, you know, hideous reality tunnels, people are trapped in them. And some of those people have, you know, access to automatic weapons, 
Some of them have access to armies and some of them have access to nuclear and biological weapons, you know? So, you know, um, that's kind of the situation we're in where we would, you know, definitely need something on the order of, uh, of, a, of a miracle or, or a magical intervention to, uh, you know, not, not see that, uh, and, and in self-termination. Yeah. Oh my God. Self-termination. That, that, that definitely seems to be the case. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I sort of like, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's, uh, sort of cosmic pessimist, uh, philosophy of, uh, you know, this is sort of the way that the world is and we live in these cycles and, uh, you know, hopefully at the, uh, when we get to this breaking point that some miraculous thing will happen not to say hey lay back and don't do anything about it but there's also another perspective uh in which you address in the book which i'm a big fan of and again you know i i think it'd be fair to say uh that you don't necessarily attach to these perspectives i i i don't attach to them but i do see value in exploring them and i try and take parts of them. Uh, I wonder if maybe you could talk a little bit about the Gnostic belief and, uh, you know, maybe that we're, what we're seeing here is some kind of demiurgic um, cancer that's uh, infusing this reality to spawn these kinds of events. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, the way I look at, you know, these kind of uh, occult or esoteric cosmologies is, as you say, it's not to get like attached to any one of them. But to, you know, kind of like, um, yeah, they're, they're like different interpretations. They're almost like, um, uh, almost like mu- different, like sort of musical uh, settings or orchestrations or something that help us to, you know, kind of reorganize our perception along different like uh, lines of understanding. Uh, so, you know, the, the Gnostic view is that, um, you know, and the Gnostics are considered to be kind of like, ancient pagan mystery traditions who then saw the rise of Christian monotheism, you know, with great alarm and tried to raise the alarm. And then they were burned, a lot of them were burned at the stake in the fourth century. But their, their older tradition was that, yeah, there was like a kind of um, uh, a, a group of beings who uh, were, um, you know, kind of seeking to divert uh, human evolution uh, you know, so that they would be able to you know, kind of absorb our energies in the form of fear and devotion and uh, had created kind of like a matrix-like uh, false reality. Mm. Uh, um, so, and sort of imprisoned us within it. And, and then the, the Gnostics have a different interpretation for different kind of biblical stories. Like for them, uh, the serpent in the Garden of Eden was actually a good, a, you know, a good force, a Christ force that was seeking to uh, bring knowledge to uh, humanity who had been kind of, uh, you know, degraded and made ignorant. Yeah. Um, and, um, yes, yeah, so that's just one interpretive framework. I mean, you know, I, I also really love, uh, Rudolf Steiner's interpretive frameworks and, you know, he similar to the uh, Maya and the Aztecs kind of talked about, uh, different kind of world incarnations where humans were undergoing kind of like an evolution of consciousness, uh, to different higher states. Uh, if, if they're on that evolutionary curve. So we talked about uh, this being like the fourth world, the fourth incarnation where we had a certain number of bodies, the physical body, the astral body, the etheric body and the eye or the ego. And that eventually we would be acquiring a new body, a fifth body that he talked about as the spirit self. And that would kind of lead us into the next um, incarnation of, of the earth uh, where reality would be very, very different than it is now. And, um, for me, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean that his way of looking at things is, um, extremely profound. 
and maybe the you know the demiurge, maybe the archons, maybe what he talks about as the uh, aramonic uh, kind of you know destructive forces are all actually fully necessary to uh, you know force that evolution to happen. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I do like that, uh, that idea to a certain extent. I think that, you know, that's, that's definitely, it definitely seems to be that way. And I, you know, I tend to think, I think, uh, in a similar way in which you do, where I'm looking at, uh, the world and, and, you know, in the context of a collective sort of ceremony almost, you know, that this can be a, a challenging ordeal, you know, a civil, a planetary hero's journey, so to speak. Is Do you maybe see things uh, in that way as well? I think you know that I do, Mike. You read my book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, no. that, was, that was the thesis of, uh, well, both 2012 on one level and How Soon Is Now on the other, which is um, How Soon Is Now was looking more at the material and the ecological circumstances and but also saying that maybe the ecological crisis as a whole is actually kind of a shamanic initiation, a rite of passage for humanity. Right, right. Us to uh, you know make a make you know wh- whoever manages to survive it uh, will will definitely be at a higher state of self awareness and responsibility. Uh, I also want to mention. I just, just wanted to hear you say it again because I love it so much. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure, man. No worries. Anytime. Um, I also want to say that uh, I have a new book coming out, which I want to just make sure that we talk about for a minute. Sure. Uh, I'm really proud of. And um, this one is coming out. The, um, the occult control system was a new experiment for me in self-publishing, uh, just using the Kindle publishing platform, which I'm really, really excited about and, and plan to do a lot more uh, shorter works on there. And also I feel that shorter books are really uh, kind of uh, more relevant for the time that we're in now and people's uh uh, attention spans. In fact, I actually just published my first play today called Deep Zero uh, on, on, on Kindle. Oh, great. Um, what was the title of that it's, again? It's called Deep Zero. Okay. Cool. Uh, and it's uh, a, 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 a sort of a black comedy set at a transformational f- festival, similar in some ways to Burning Man during a global ecological kind of accelerated ecological crisis with a bunch of super wealthy characters who are kind of like plotting their next steps and their escapes and so on. Um, so I'm really happy with that. And yeah, I feel that this, 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 you know, the direct to audience uh, capacity that we now have um, and then these, you know, publishing platforms like you can, you know, get a print on demand copy of the cult control system, you know, in a day, just because the Amazon is so efficient. So that, that that's you know, the new efforts, but uh, the, the book that's coming out in September is uh, with a Watkins, which is a wonderful publishing house in England and who, who also published How Soon Is Now. And that book is called When Plants Dream, and it's focused on the uh, global spread of ayahuasca uh, over the last uh, century. Amazing. And I co-authored it with a, a friend, Sophia Rockland, who's an anthropologist, who's actually now working uh, with a foundation in Peru that is seeking to um, support local indigenous communities sustainably growing and harvesting ayahuasca uh, for for the benefit of the, of, of the communities. Oh um, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah uh, is she is she with uh, a Temple the Way Light or Chaikuni? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, great, great. Yeah, I, I I lived there last year, pretty much for half the year. So I I might have just missed her. Me and my, my oh cool. My, well, you should have her on your show. Also, she 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 can she can go deep in. I would love uh-huh. to have her on my show. We have a lot of uh, friend, uh, friends in common, and uh, yeah, I would love yeah, to talk to her. I'll, I'll, I'll connect you to tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, so that book is uh, kind of um, 
very well researched. Like we look at kind of, it's almost like a um, kind of biographical portrait of ayahuasca. We look at its its origins, like what we know about its history, um, you know, what we, what we know about uh, how all these different tribes use it, all the techniques around it, and then how it's um, been spreading around the world. We also look at stories of personal transformation. We look at the incredible uh, medical and scientific research that's being done into it. And um, yes, I'm also really excited about that book coming out in September. Yeah, I'm really excited about that too, and Plants Dream. And uh, I would love to have Sophia on and uh, and talk to her about that so we can uh, promote it uh, uh, for when it, when it's released. That would be great. Um, yeah, and and you know you you uh, you touch on a couple of things actually here that um, that you mention in the book too that I'm uh, that I I've been thinking about a little bit lately, and uh, it's this idea of. Um, you know, and I and I'm sure you've been. We 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 talked about this. Now that I'm I'm thinking about it, I remember we talked about this um, on the last episode when How Soon Is Now came out. This idea of you know you were talking about being at Burning Man and Katrina happened, and you're running around trying to gather people. And I had a similar experience at Coachella and and uh, yeah uh, and during Sandy Hurricane Sandy in New York when that happened. And you know, th- so uh, there's. The, the thing that I've been thinking about is sort of this this idea of how a lot of people that I come in contact with, and they're great people, but they seem to sort of be checking out on this like spiritual psychedelic bliss express going from, you know, going to, to Peru, to Bali, to Costa Rica, whatever, and not necessarily engaging with some of the darker shadow material that we need to. And I know you bring this up in the book. And uh, yeah, I'm wondering like what your take is on on sort of you know, this sort of balanced approach that we need to take in order to understand the situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so, I mean, I personally have gone through like a a period of just kind of like surrendering because for me, to be honest, the um, lack of, you know, public and media reception to how soon as now after I put like 10 years of work into it was really, was really difficult for me. And it, it sort of led me to a profound reflection to the point where I kind of surrendered to, the likelihood that we're really not going to escape catastrophe and extinction. And it may happen, you know, in the next 10 or 20 years, even, you know, as everything goes haywire and, and in a way surrendering to that uh, has actually created a lot of inner space and inner liberation. And it's also made me more forgiving, you know, forgiving of, um, you know, the class of people who, who you talk about. I mean, I did start a company uh, in a nonprofit called Evolver and we were building local communities and uh, we had like 50 local groups that I you know, begged every rich person that I knew to help us, you know, grow a movement and so on. And I, I couldn't get the traction that we needed. So, you know, I, I really, I really, you know, tried hard for, for quite a number of years. And even back then, that was like 2000, um, when did we start that? 2007, we started 2009. You know, I, I knew that we were in a huge race against time when it came to climate change, and species extinction and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get anybody uh, or enough people, let's say on board, uh, to, to try to really, you know, you know, rock, rock it out, uh, the kind of movement that would have to happen. And, you know, now I see things like Extinction Rebellion, which I think is an incredibly important manifestation, uh, but it also is coming from a very, you know, as the title suggests, a very, uh, negative, um, sense that, um, you know, our, our possibilities are not what they used to be. Mm. Um, you know, we we can still hope for the best, and and there is magic out there also, and you know things that we can't even understand. But um, at this point, I'm a little bit more inclined to go on the uh, you know stay on the Costa Rica Bali 
train because <laughs> yeah. you know, what am I supposed to sit in New York City and, and wait for fascism to knock on my door or something? I mean, right. It's like, it's like um, you know, it, it doesn't seem, I mean, you know, one of the, you know, sort of tragic realities is that, you know, the, the right wing is able to organize in these authoritarian hierarchical structures and um, the, the, the left or the anarchist alternative you know, which is that way beyond, you know, the stupid stupidity of the Democratic Party or whatever, yeah. you know, hasn't found its, its, its self-organizing capacity using, you know, non-hierarchical kind of horizontal structures. And, you know, I don't know what the alchemy is to that. Maybe it's just not to be. Um, but, um, you know, I'm still interested in that, in that as, as, as a possibility. Yeah, for sure. Me too. And I think maybe it'll be birthed out of catastrophe, unfortunately. I mean, I hate to take that perspective, but, uh, if all the evidence maybe points, points to that, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, there, I, I sort of understand where you're coming from. And I agree too, right? You got to enjoy your life. You got to live and, and you know, you can't be waiting for fascism to knock at your door, like you said, but, um, th- there is a, you talk about shifts a lot and phases and epochs and, and you bring this to the attention in all of your books. And, you know, uh, I'm wondering, uh, in what, what do you see as sort of the major shifts with, within, our world in the la- and you know maybe particularly in America or wherever we you know uh, however you want to define it within the last hundred years. The last hundred years, I mean, that, there's so many that it would be hard to name them all, and that encompasses kind of modernism and quantum physics and psychoanalysis. I mean, I think in the last like you know five years, I mean, there's kind of like a, a fragmentation happening, um, you know, kind of like a loss of any. Uh, center, but I was actually just today watching this video of this guy Jordan Greenhall. I guess now he's calling himself Jordan Hall, and he was talking about something that he calls kind of the Blue Church, which was kind of the organizational uh, system of the last hundred years, or maybe the last fifty years. The kind of liberal kind of uh, hierarchy where you have like Harvard and you know kind of administrative intelligence and the bureau- you know bureaucratic uh, leadership and so on. And now that also seems to be just crumbling into dust right now. So at the moment, there's you know there's there's no legitimate authority centers. There's no there's no trustable knowledge, and so people are just cast into this abyss that you know Russian bots and uh, you know right wing psych- psychopaths and you know everybody else is kind of feeding this feeding frenzy. So yeah, the one yeah that that that's part of what's happening right now. It's like a sort of breaking apart of all of the establishment structures and we're seeing it in like, uh, politics, we're seeing it in gender, you know, I mean, uh, and some of it is, is great. I mean, you know, the, um, you know, smashing apart of, 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 of certain aspects of the patriarchal structure, the revealing of, of the inherent corruption and so on in, in the political and, and economic system and so on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, hard to see, uh, you know, where, where it goes from here. Yeah. Sorry to throw the hundred years thing on you. I was just, I was kind of more thinking about like, from my perspective, I'm like, well, you know, after world war two, you know, and then we had, you know, this, the flying saucer phenomenon and then LSD and then the nuclear, uh, bomb was invented. And then you have more, you know, sort of, uh, you know, Richard Dolan talks about this shift in America, um, around like the nineties when Clinton was in office, a shift from a national sort of, uh, structure to a more global structure. And then obviously, 
uh, 9-11 changed a lot of things. And that was the sort of intensifying of weirdness and strangeness and, and, you know, conspiracies. And, and then 2012, something happened in 2012. And, and then now we're somewhere. And in the book, I think you mentioned something about a period of time. There's like three levels and then we're in something from, uh, I forget. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. like uh, to 2021 or something like that. Right. Well, yeah. So once again, that's another, um, you know, esoteric idea that comes from indigenous traditions that, you know, you can hold lightly or ignore or embrace or whatever. I mean, to me, it feels uh, intuitively uh, very true uh, as it accords with my uh, lived experience subjectively. But um, what the, the, for instance, the Nahuatl and the Aztec traditions talk about, uh, particularly according to this um, kind of very interesting Nahuatl sorcerer, uh, Sergio Magana, uh, who wrote a book called The Age of the Sixth Sun, is that um, actually 2012 was kind of like from, from 2012 to 2021 is actually a transition period from the end of one, what they call a sun, which is a 5,000-year period, to the beginning of the next sun. And um, it's and, and, the, and the suns oscillate between suns of light and suns of darkness. So the last 5,000 years or whatever time, I don't really think it's necessarily quantifiable time like that anyway, uh, you know, we were in the sun of light where the focus was on kind of uh, material, rational thought, the, the, the consciousness state of waking clarity, uh, dualism, you know, and that led to the rise of material science and technology and so on. But as we move into a sun of darkness, uh, the, the, it, we're actually going more and more into the realm of the psyche. Uh, it, the reality is becoming more and more like a waking dream and our capacities for manifestation are becoming stronger. Mm. Um, and, and in a way, reality itself is becoming more psychically uh, malleable or uh, permeable. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that to me is something I find really, really fascinating. Actually, I have to track down that dude, Magana, and do one of his uh, workshops before we cross the threshold of 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah, it's a race against the clock. Well, yeah, and then, you know, so you mentioned, like, there's uh, this great documentary, Hypernormalization by Adam Curtis. Have you seen it? Yeah, of course. His work is great, but, you know, he, he also is totally shut off from having any, like, um, you know, presenting a kind of any kind of redemptive alternative. But in terms of an analysis and sort of capturing the mood, the sort of, you know, murky... Uh, mood of, of everything that's going on. You know, he does an amazing job. Yeah. Cause I was thinking of that, like in this, we're in this sort of like hyper normal, weird space. And uh, anyway, but um, I'm wondering like, what, a, what, so, okay. When are the aliens going to come down and make themselves known? <laughs> uh, it feels to me like maybe 2025. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. Yeah. 2025. All right, cool. On the record. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Tonight, that would be my guess, but you know, I'm, I could be totally wrong. Well, you know, I, I so I have you, I, I've seen a, a UFO. I've ha- I had a UFO sighting. Um, I had. You're a, not alone. Yeah, no, well, yeah. The truth is out there, and I want to believe. I, I, yeah, I was in my friend's driveway. It was like summer, August, but we were like 13 years old, and uh, this is before any knowledge of any of the stuff that we've heard, you know, coming out, you know, the last decade plus, whatever. So we all looked in the sky and we saw this shining dot and all of a sudden it just darted across the sky, stopped on a dime, right angle turn, darted back again, and then pew, took off in the blink of an eye. 
And uh, yeah, we all talked about it for a little while and then kind of faded away. But uh, I saw that and uh, several of my friends saw it too. So obviously, you know, something's going on. Um, my question though is like, what do you think about this like sort of, you know, individual consciousness, collective consciousness, feedback loop and, you know, what we see in movie and culture and this idea of, you know, predictive programming. Is that something that, that you've been thinking about a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, definitely. I mean, I think, um, uh, I think that's, that's, that's totally possible. I mean, yeah. And that's, you know, but I mean, and even just narrative structure, right? Like, um, you know, we're all programmed now with this kind of like mission impossible, like star Wars construct where like, you know, things will get terrible. The last Jedi will like shoot, you know, the, the perfect, you know, laser beam into the Death Star and, and, you know, things will be okay, you know, but it also could be that the rug will just be pulled out from under us. And that's not how it goes at all. You know, yeah. you might, you might, you might miss the Death Star that, you know, maybe too late for that. You know? Well, you got to use the force, you know, you got to have, you got to, you got to pop into people's uh, field of vision and say, use the force, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I certainly, you know, hope and pray that, um, you know, something along those lines is, 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 is real. And I, and I do feel, which I also wrote about in how soon is now is that, um, you know, maybe we're being pushed to such extremes so that we go back into the, the, the psychic and the magical and, you know, really understand that that actually, you know, for those of us who are ready, that that is like the underlying basis of reality. And therefore anything can be transformed uh, from a certain perspective. From a certain point of view, yes. Yeah. Quote Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, and <laughs> and uh, so is that? Do you, that's where you see things going? Do you think like you know certain some of us will be ready and we'll sort of ascend? And what what will happen to the people that aren't ready? What what will you know? What's your- no, I definitely don't, I don't, definitely don't think of um, ascension in those terms. Um, you know, uh, and yeah, and it's very easy when you go when you try to exp- explore this type of projection that um, it, it really goes off in the wrong direction. And my my personal hope is that you know the the you know engine of kind of media gets turned around and and you know something new develops and you know we see a level of a positive global transformation even at the very last you know possible moment. Um, you know, I think I still hold to that as totally possible, you know, and I, I, although I, you know, I know I do discuss some of those ideas in 2012 and and the occult control system, but I think they also really just have to be held very lightly because we really don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Well, I'm trying to do my part as a, as a media outlet here. And I know a lot of people are, I mean, I, you know, we're definitely moving apart from this kind of centralized uh, system and to more of a fragmented decentralized system. So trying to spread the word, trying to introduce these ideas and get people to think about them. And like you said, you know, read the book and then do some more research, start digging into this stuff, go off on some of the things that you said. I certainly will be um, definitely interested in, in a lot of the people that you presented here, such as Rudolf Steiner and others, um, and exploring more about what is going on. And uh, yeah, uh, well, I think uh, I think that that about does it. Uh, unless there's uh, there's anything else, do you have any final thoughts or uh, uh, anything that you'd like to kind of communicate before we uh, get going? Uh, no, I think you did a great job, Mike. It was great talking to you again. 
And uh, let's stay in touch. And uh, yeah, let's, let's get Sophia on one of your shows coming up. That would be great. Yes, I would love to do that. And for sure. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thanks for making the time. And uh, for everyone out there, yeah, go on Amazon, Amazon Kindle, right? You can get it there. The Occult Control System and uh, UFOs, Aliens, Other Dimensions, and Future Timelines. Fascinating read. Please go get that. And uh, uh, where can people uh, follow you and, and stay in touch with you? Uh, you can follow my public posts on Facebook. I definitely use Facebook a lot. Uh, Twitter, I'm on. Uh, Instagram, maybe less prominently. Uh, I have a website, uh, pinchbeck.io. You can get on the, my newsletter. I've sort of reactivated that. Um, and um, yeah, so that, they get on the, if they go to pinchbeck.io, they can get on the newsletter and uh, they will get you know frequent updates on what I'm working on and what I'm releasing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, hurry up, folks, and do it before 2025 because you heard you heard it here first. We gotta we gotta get into what is going on. So yeah, fascinating work, excellent conversation. Really appreciate it. Thank you, and looking forward to talking about when plants dream with Sophia Rockland uh, in, in the future. So thank you so much, uh, Daniel Pinchbeck, for being on the show. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Hope you guys like these podcasts and enjoy them. And if you do, please spread the podcast, share it, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, tell a friend, tell a cat, tell a mouse, tell a dog, tell an ant, tell a firefly, tell whoever you tell, share it, spread it, like it, all that good stuff. If you if you really love the show, you want to go a step further, you really want to help us out, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts um, and go to patreon.com. Patreon slash Mike Brank and um, patreon.com slash Mike Brank. And you can donate as little as a dollar a month, $2 a month, whatever you want. Help support the show that way as well. But remember, I love you guys no matter what you do. I just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts. Message me. I like hearing feedback. Get in touch with me on Instagram, Mike Adelic Podcast, Mike Brank on Facebook as well. And um, thanks to our sponsors, Synchro and Hemp Bombs, if you want a discount on ketogenic and plant-based nutrition products, go to Synchro and type in the code uh, Mikeadelic at checkout to get 20% off. And they have amazing ketogenic chocolate fudge called Keto Mana that I have all the time because it's, it has like no sugar and carbs in it. So it's great. And, um, and it's delicious. And if you want CBD, uh, go to hempbombs.com and get 15% off all your CBD needs, I guess. And, uh, just enter the code Mike15 at checkout. But thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro, and the outro. I love you all. Peace.